God, I'm normally an NBA guy. I mean, I'm huge. That's one of my... That might be my favorite sport to watch, NBA playoffs. Just freaking love it, but I don't know. Just, I don't know if I can watch it without thinking about all the crap that comes with it, and then just, I don't know. And I've got used to not watching it, so... Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing about uh, shows and entertainment. If they go long, uh, go away rather too long, you kind of don't care anymore. Before long, uh, I would love to play for you, uh, and this is not exactly ripped from today's headlines, but it was just so funny that uh, one of Trump's advisors was talking about John Bolton and just lays the wood to him. I mean, in a, a way you normally don't hear outside a schoolyard. It, it was something. If Bolton <laughs> had showed up, the guy would have fought him. It was, well, anyway, we'll play it for you in a little bit. Was uh, Bolton having sex with his wife without consent, <laughs> unlike uh, old Falwell Jr.? No, no. Most, people, most husbands don't like that. Yeah, yeah. I Well, I'm more than willing to go on the record and say I prefer that didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> also, Lon Hee Chen is going to join us for a discussion of uh, who knows what. We'll, we'll try not to ask him the obvious questions you've heard answered 20 times. We'll try to dig into stuff. Can I ask that, him about the Hatch Act? <laughs> yes, deep Good. on the Hatch Act. Good. The violation of the Hatch Act. Oh, boy. Uh, but right now, what we'd like to do is take a fond look back at the week that was. It's Cow Clips of the Week. Watch me. Mr. President, watch me. Dodgers pulls up, three-pointer. Bang! Bang! It's good! Blood alone moves the wheels of history! They don't sound radical to my ears. They sound familiar. Our family went from cotton to Congress in one lifetime. They say Corona lingers so long, it's still making jokes about Tiger King. And it's not surprising that the pandemic turned out to create the perfect conditions for people to get radicalized. Some people joined QAnon, some people ordered Pelotons, and neither of them will shut up about it. Please don't burn up property and cause havoc and tear your own homes down in my son's name. You shouldn't do it. People shouldn't do it anyway. It's emotionally hurtful uh but we didn't do anything to anybody why did we deserve it the record i'm trying to break is called most rubik's cube solved with one hand while hula hooping Uh, you know i love tom brady but nobody asked him about what's going on in white america i can't hang out with single guys you don't have a wife we have nothing to talk about you have a girlfriend that's wiffle ball my friend (laughs) first of all it was far too long. 70 minutes, exactly. And too much opera. Please, who asked for that? And I'd, I'm reminded of the uh, the gents from Denver who were playing the mayor and director of public safety, and then you heard the, uh, the voice of, I believe it was the mother of the young man who was uh, shot in Kenosha by the police the other day. Uh, there is so much... That binds us together as Americans. And we all agree on it. And we like each other. And we're not threatened by each other. And we don't hate each other. The, the, the voices you hear all the time, whether it's in the media or the critical race theory, the racist, anti-racist, the Antifa and, and black block and the crazy professors, they represent such a small 
number of people, and you watch or you get on social media, you start to think it's everybody, but it's really not. The vast majority of Americans are just fine with each other, and it's difficult. It's difficult to balance the scales for some reason. The angry, hateful militants get so much attention, probably because it's exciting. And, and, and the fact that they're indoctrinating the young, I admit, is pretty troubling. But you know, I just want to throw that in. And that's one of the reasons I don't hate people I disagree with, because I know them. If you actually know people, realize, okay, we just have a difference of opinion. Stop demonizing each other. Sorry. Got a story that just broke today. It's the first time I've seen it. Um, it's gruesome, but good news. But it's one of those good news stories that leaves you feeling bad. Um, the good news is dozens of missing kids have been found oh. in Georgia. Oh, one my home. Gosh. At least half of them known sex trafficking victims. Oh, boy. 26 children they rescued from a home. Uh, in uh, Georgia, and they have nailed down that half of them were being trafficked for sex, but I assume that's what the others were being oh, used yeah. for also. So. Oh, for the love nearly of all, thirty kid, Nearly 30 missing kids. <sighs> holy crap. Execute every one of those people it's that the, were behind the execution's that. too good for them. Yeah, Do they have is. anybody in custody? If they, uh, oh, we, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great Scott. They've cleared 26 arrest warrants and additional charges for all kinds of different crimes. Sex trafficking, kidnapping, all kinds of different things. Drugs, weapons. Oh, my gosh. That is unbelievable. The the term house of horrors is just too, too, it's a cliche, but it was invented for this. This will be turned into a movie or a documentary or something, probably. God, that's just, like I said, it's good news. Nobody go to that movie. It's horrifying. It's it's, good news, but it's gruesome. Yeah, unless it's the fight to find these guys and bring them to justice. Now, that I would watch. 26 warrants over uh, a total of nine individuals arrested. Yeah, this is, I was just going to say, Sean, thanks for piping in. It's, It's got to be a large organization. Freaking execute them. They're animals. Yeah. God dang, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I know it. They they lack human souls. And they you know, do. If you have no human soul, put you in a cage or, uh, or just get rid of you. I'm fine with that. A couple of notes from the world of science coming up, Jack, uh, before we get to Lon Hee Chen, including life gets better after this age. You're thinking, wow, that's kind of sucks. You hit this age, boom, you turn the corner. You're cruising easy street. And... Scientists have come up with a brilliantly simple idea to reduce bird deaths at the big uh, windmills. Because of the, we're going to depend on wind power and unicorn farts, that whole thing. Those, those windmills <laughs> chop up hundreds of thousands of birds. Birds. I call them drones, but go ahead. Anyway, uh, they've come up with a brilliant, uh, brilliantly simple way to cut down on killing the birds. We'll have, awesome. We'll have that and more for you in seconds. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Here's some secrets I know from working at McDonald's. First one, the ice cream machine is actually rarely broken, at least at my location. We just didn't want to change those heavy bags of shake mix. Asking for fries, no salt is just annoying. Just say you want the fries dropped fresh. Nine times out of ten, the fries are already dropped fresh. We're actually not allowed to take tips, just in case you wanted to dip us. But I still took them, though. The sweet tea was made in a mop bucket. (laughs) 
Whoa, whoa, hey, wait. That's your lead. <laughs> I would hire her in a second. The way she slipped that in the end. The sweet tea's made in a mop bucket. Oh, whoa, boy. whoa, that other stuff is kind of an interesting tip. That one is like a crime. <laughs> Okay, so I know people who do that whole thing of you order something a little weird, thinking you're going to get it fresher, and she's saying, don't order fries with no salt. Just say you want fresh fries or fresh anyway. Yeah, yeah. McDonald's, they, they go through them so fast, generally. Uh, I did like the tip there, because that happens a lot of, with me at the kids, usually at the Burger King, but it's probably the same situation. Oh, the, the, the soft serve machine isn't working. It's broken again? Mm. It's like, you know, every, ha- half the time when we go there, it's broken, so they just don't feel like... It's a hassle to refill it or something. Wow. Gotcha. I 100% believe that. Oh, yeah. I do, too. I, I <laughs> think it's weak. It is incredibly weak. The people have a right to their foods they shouldn't be eating. If you get French fries without salt, just, just kill yourself. Um, <laughs> French fries are an indefensible food, by the way. There's oh, nobody should ever French fries. eat them under any circumstance. Just hearing that guarantees I will eat some today. Yeah. Oh, from boy. McDonald's. Oh, McDonald's French fries. I, is there a way to eat French fries by anything less than a handful at a time? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. They're too oh. good. Oh, I love fries. Yeah. So uh, we teased a number of things that we really need to get to the uh, uh, best we can. How about a little bit later on? We'll do that. Uh, life gets better after a certain age thing. Uh, very quickly, I can pay this off to you. Big experiment in Britain. They found that we're talking about these big uh, energy generating windmills. They found that painting one of the three blades black reduced fatal bird strikes by about 70% annually. But unfortunately, that blinds puppies, so it's a trade off. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. They painted no, one. Puppy, bl- don't look. Don't uh, look, puppy. Oh, it looked. Um, now, it was a smallish study, but apparently, uh, according to one of the researchers, applying contrast painting to the rotor blade significantly reduced the collision risk for a range of birds. They just see it better for some reason. So uh, you might see a uh, windmill near, near you painted partly black. So there you have it. And then we also said we would bring you this. And again, it's really not important. And I'm not sure why Brett Bear asked it of him. But he was talking to Lieutenant General uh, Keith Kellogg, retired general, who's one of Trump's uh, national security advisors. Heir of the cereal brand. Uh, yeah, not, exactly. Sure. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, for some reason... Uh, answers to Captain Crunch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the Lieutenant General answers to a captain? How does that work? But anyway, he asked him about John Bolton and the general. Well, he unleashed straight fire. And you've heard those interviews, General, and you've, you've heard him out and about in the book. Is he lying about all that? Yeah, he is. Brett, his comments are absurd. I have been in the room a lot longer than he has. I have been with the president ever since he came in to the White House. I have been with him through Mike Flynn as a national security advisor, H.R. McMaster. I've been through him with John Bolton and Robert O'Brien, who I believe happens to be the best national security advisor uh, this president has had. John Bolton, I believe, uh, is actually an architect of failure. The architect of failure. He also goes on to say, I've been in meetings where John Bolton told the president things he knew to be false to promote his agenda. Oh, really? So he called him a liar repeatedly. Hmm. Would that shock me? No. No. Oh, oh yeah, I'm sorry. That's clip 34. Let's go ahead. He had his own agenda. He pushed his own agenda. And when it didn't work, he tried to, to basically either stifle the discussion going forward 
or lie to the President of the United States. I was in there when it happened. I saw him when he fabricated information that nearly caused us to commence military operations in Iran because of a loss of a drone that we knew he had incorrect information and he passed that incorrect information to the President. I saw him on several occasions do that. I saw John Bolton single-handedly destroy Afghan negotiations a year ago up at Bedminster after we thought we had the Afghan negotiations on track. And he happened to just ruin them. You know, the uh, Afghan negotiations thing is somewhat interesting, although that's a difficult uh, push and pull and has been for quite some time. But the idea that we almost launched a military attack on Iran based on information John Bolton knew to be false. And he's one of the as interventionist as they come, right? Yeah, because oh, yeah. he okay. thought it because he thought it was important that we get involved in these things and he is willing to use any means to get there, clearly. Although I figured he was that kind of guy before Trump hired him. Trump should have known that. But. Well, yeah, everybody knows John Bolton's act. Yeah, that was not a good hire, frankly. But who knows? So if I continue to read details about the Jerry Falwell story, does that mean there's something wrong with me at that point? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Although every time you say you have new stuff, I think, oh, good. So the pool <laughs> Wait, so boy was on. Whatever it is, it's, I've got it, too. The pool boy's making the rounds. He was on the Today Show, I think, yesterday and Good Morning America Today. And he talks about the first encounter with Falwell's wife and Falwell in the room. Uh, at the hotel, that's when they had just met. Like with within hours of Falwell's wife meeting the pool boy, she had convinced him to do this, and that not my husband. Anyway, he says on Good Morning America today, "Good job, Stephanopoulos. You happy you got into work like this where you're asking these questions?" <laughs> but anyway, uh, Jerry was laying on the bed. He was drunk. He was giggling. And again, I'm kind of weirded out at this moment. I said, hey, if at any point you get jealous or you want me to back off, just let me know and I'll walk out of here. No, 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 no. Just go for it. He said, wow. So off they went. Well, he didn't want to end up with a knife in his back. I get it. It's easy to be distracted in those scenarios. Uh, sure. Yeah. 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 I, I, could I, could I, could I, could I do, could I have done that when I was a young single man? I mean, mor- even morality aside, just putting away the, you know, <coughs> any of that. Sure. I'm not sure I could have just, I'm not sure I could do that. I'd have had to have a long talk with the husband and be completely convinced he was into the idea. They still don't want me watching me, especially from that angle. <laughs> just, well, that's not my best side. Hey, could you move over there? <laughs> well, to ask him. You're all you're obviously all uh, cooperating with each other. I'm sure you can ask him in a polite way. Uh, Granda, the pool boy, who's now 29. So when this happened in 12, so he was, geez, he was 21 when this started. When the affair started, a twenty-one-year-old, no oh boy, at with the a couple in their powers, with a couple in their forties, mid-forties, yeesh. Anyway, uh, he said the couple had told them that they had been at a swingers club the night before there in Miami, but it wasn't their thing. They said it was kind of gross because there were too many people and they wanted a more intimate session. I can understand that. And that's why she approached him at the party and. And then they, the off started at uh, uh, How many almost times eight do you years. think they've run that script? <laughs> <laughs> We're looking for something more intimate and healthy. Well, they, uh, I don't know that she has stated specifically that it was exclusive to this dude, but it went on for years, so it might have mm-hmm. just been him. So now, they Falwell, hired him the, as a pool boy subsequent to the, uh, the doings, right? Yeah, I think that's the way it worked, yeah, to justify having him around, I guess. Maybe afterward they asked, so what are your hobbies? He said, well, I really like to make sure uh, chemicals are balanced. 
Or I also I don't know if anybody's. <laughs> I hate algae. I really like pH balance in the public waters. It's right. just. Um, now I don't know if they've asked the pool boy this, but it's possible, I suppose, that they were paying him beyond what you would normally pay a pool boy, and so there was a bit of a gigolo thing happening there. Yes, clearly. Or how much pool work he was being required to do. It's amazing to me that um, <coughs> excuse me that. Uh, well, I almost said a guy with that much to lose, but wait a minute. He got run out on a rail in humiliation and has $10 million for it. Yeah, he got $10 million to go away. Again, I will I will admit to any charge, of course, no matter he's how still... perverse or sickening, if it gets me $10 million. Falwell Jr. is denying it, and these, uh, these religious icons often uh, uh, bounce back after these scandals come back and you know continue to be a big deal. But he's saying, my wife uh, cheated, she's admitted to me that she cheated, and she made a mistake, and I'm forgiving her for it. He's, he's denying that there was any right. weirdness going on. Well, indeed, he said, I was too into work, I neglected her, it's my fault that she cheated on me. Okay, yeah, and the pool, boy, the pool boy said in Good Morning America today, oh, yeah, he's throwing her under the bus, which is what I would expect him to do. He's that kind of guy. So, wow. There you go. Wow, not a I, good look. I can't believe he's on Good Morning America. Juan He Chen, always great, and he's coming up next. Stay with us. Armstrong and Getty. You can listen to an idiot like me say the speech was too long, or you can listen to an expert. That's why we have Lon He Chen on every week. Somebody knows what the heck they're talking about. Lon He Chen is the David and Diane Steffi Research Fellow at the Hoover Institution for Domestic Policy, etc., etc., and is a fine gent. It's always a pleasure. Lon He, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. So, uh, overall thoughts on the uh, Republican convention, Trump's speech, whatever uh, trips your trigger. Well, I, I thought it was a high production value, as you would expect from a Donald Trump production. Uh, it was it was in that sense, it was better than the Democratic convention. You know, I thought that the Trump speech did what he needed it to do, which was to the the case for why he deserves four more years. And then to talk a little bit about what he plans to do with that four years. You know, there's always been criticism uh, of him for not talking about a second-term agenda. You know, I don't think he laid out a ton of detail last night, but I thought he laid out enough that people get a sense for what he stands for. And, and the one thing I, I would say is that I think he did a good job of laying out some key contrasts with him and Biden. He was not afraid to go after what he thought the big differences were. And yes, did he, did he paint with a, a, a brushstroke that may have been a little broader than uh, you know, then is uh, totally 100% true. I, I, I think he did. But, you know, in campaign, that's kind of what you need to do. You need to paint with those brush strokes that are broad. And I think he did that. Speaking as a guy who, not surprisingly, knows a fair number of conservatives and Republicans, I think the one thing that was really accomplished this week was it um, it relieved people's Trump fatigue um, and or uh, given the relentlessly negative coverage of the media since before the inauguration, I think a lot of people started to think, yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe we would be better off, more calm without Trump. And, and it was easy to forget a lot of the successful policies and the foreign policy triumphs and, and remembering the Obama-Biden years and thinking, oh, yeah, that's right. That's why I'm with the guy. I sense a lot more enthusiasm. 
Yeah, and I think it gives people, you know, I, people, I think, fundamentally, they sort of say to themselves, okay, look, I understand who Donald Trump is. He is not someone that's going to say things delicately. He is going to tweet sometimes and, and say things in those tweets that drive me nuts. But fundamentally, am I really ready to, to go in a different direction? Am I ready to go in a direction that, you know, I, I think Trump painted the alternative quite starkly. But I do think it's a, it's a very important point, which is, you know, are you ready to move in a direction uh, that is going to be more uh, permissive and more accepting of some of the things that we're seeing on America's streets right now? And I think that contrast ends up being, uh, you know, being something voters say, you know what, I, I don't really like how the guy says things, but at the end of the day, I'm more comfortable with that than the alternative. Yes, yeah, speaking of the streets, so uh, we're on a lot of cities across America. I think over half the big cities where we're, we're aired right now have had Antifa types smashing up things at some point um, in recent weeks. And Senator Rand Paul, he and his wife were fearing for their life. Uh, in Washington, D.C. last night uh, after the speech. There's some poll movement, it looks like, in terms of people's support for protesters and and concern about the, the streets. How big a deal could this become? I mean, could, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this doesn't end up being the number one issue on voters' minds come the first week of November. Well, if, if that's the case, then Trump wins the election. I think. I mean, if, really? if, the, if the yeah, I think if the focus is on what's happening on the streets and a sense that things are running away from us, I do think that that law and order uh, kind of overall frame, which is the one, by the way, that Trump wants to fight this election on. And I just think that fundamentally, so far at least, the Biden-Harris ticket hasn't really been comfortable addressing it. I think they've tried to. You know, they tried to give some speeches, but they're boxed in a little bit because while they would love to be, uh, they'd love to lean in a little bit more, I think, from a political perspective. They'd love to lean in on this idea that, you know, you've got protests, but we want to do our best to ensure law and order. I feel like they're boxed in a little bit by the progressive left from doing that. And so what that what that means is that uh, the field is open for Trump. And if he's able to continue to hammer home this theme of, you know, I'm going to be the guy to restore law and order, that is going to work to his advantage, I think. You know, it's funny that in the earlier days of a lot of the violence, there was a pretty widespread perception that it would help the Democrats because it made it look like, you know, Trump has caused these divisions and this is Trump's America and the rest of it. But it's absolutely steadily moved in the direction of look what happens when Democrats are in charge. And now I'm hearing Democrats saying Trump is trying to encourage the violence because it'll help him at the polls. So how about we just stop the violence and be done with it? Yeah, well, that would be the easy solution. Uh, and, and, and that would be the thing, right? It's, I don't know if you guys saw the other night. I mean, it's, it's been pretty widely circulated on social media. There was this CNN uh, lower third graphic where they said something to the effect of, you know, fiery protest, but mostly peaceful. You know, the idea that even though there was a literally a inferno behind the reporter, that, you know, we should all keep calm because the protests that are happening are peaceful protests. And I just think that there's a betrayal of common sense here. People look at it and they're like, you know what? That doesn't look all that peaceful to me. That actually doesn't look all that great to me. I actually am not sure I want that. And what what the conversation turns to is, okay, who governs these cities? 
Who, what is the party that's in charge of these cities? Oh, wait, that's right. It's Democrats. And, and, and if Trump is in there saying, look, I am going to be the one to restore order to these cities, uh, I think for a lot of Americans who are in the middle or who are relatively uh, malleable, let's say they're center left or center right, they say, you know what, uh, I prefer order to chaos. And that, I do think, works in Trump's favor in the long run. Lonnie, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Michael Hancock, the mayor of Denver, or Murphy Robinson as public safety director. Uh, both Democrats, both black men came out. We've been playing the tape a couple of times uh, so far this morning. They have come out just absolutely law and order. You come to Denver, we're sticking you in jail. You anarchists want to cause trouble in this town, you're gonna, you're in serious trouble. It's absolutely beautiful. And it just shows that the you know the share of Americans who's willing to to tolerate uh, this sort of mayhem and ugliness and violence is a very small minority, including apparently CNN. But man, this is this is a big issue. Well, and the problem is that uh, Biden and Harris. This goes back to what I was saying. They have a tough time speaking out forcefully because the line that they have been told they need to say is support peaceful protest. And, and, of course, we abhor violence. The problem is the more this goes forward, the less it looks like what's happening is rightful and righteous, peaceful protest. But what, what's actually happening is you have people coming in with the intent to cause chaos and using this as an excuse. And, and, I, and I've heard many civil rights leaders say something which is very compelling, which is that violence actually does harm to the idea and the notion of creating a more just and more equal society. That if what you're trying to do is to create a society where there is respect for people regardless of the color of their skin, that when you do violence, you actually do violence to that notion as well. And I think that resonates with people. Well, uh, Chuck Todd on Meet the Press uh, Daily this week said internal polling showing this is a real vulnerability. Don Lemon said the same thing on CNN. So the people on the left are recognizing this is an opening for Trump. This 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 is a big deal. So I just I wonder if Biden at some point will say I've got to get on the right side of this thing and uh, you know the the the, the far left be damned. Uh, how do you think that would play out if he did that? Well, he, I mean, are Black Lives lot. Matter people going to start showing up to his events? Is that what's going to happen? Well, I think that's the fear. I think the fear is that it de- you know if they demobilize the progressive base, then then Biden's in real serious trouble, right? He needs to make sure that he keeps the progressive base of the Democratic Party energized, and it's it's this dynamic that he has where he he has to figure out how does he keep that progressive left engaged while also being acceptable to moderate Democrats and moderate Republicans, which is the coalition he needs to build to win this election. It's a very difficult balancing act. And at some point, he's got to figure out, where is my bread buttered? And in, in my mind, those progressive voters, are they going to be upset with Biden? Sure. But are they going to vote for Donald Trump? No. The question is, are they going to stay home at the expense of four more years of Donald Trump? And if Joe Biden feels he can take that progressive left for granted, that he can begin to tack toward a position that I think is going to put him in better stead with with more Americans that are in that independent category. Because right now, he is in real danger, I think, with that group. Final question for Lon He Chen. Uh, how do you like the Republicans' chances of hanging on to the Senate? Well, I, I think it's going to go with the top of the ticket. So I think to the extent that, that Trump is able to to perform better, then Republicans have a better shot at it. But if, but if Biden's strength is real, and particularly... 
uh, in some of these swing states, whether it's, uh, you know, Arizona, Colorado, North Carolina, but also the next tranche down, states like Montana and Georgia, uh, then I think Republicans are in real trouble because it is a razor-thin majority. So it, it ultimately is going to come down, I think, to Trump's performance. And, and if he's able to perform strongly enough, I think Republicans can hang on to the Senate. Wow. Lon He Chen, David and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution. Lon He, thanks so much for the, the thoughts and the time. Thanks, guys. We'll talk soon. Boy, in either one of those scenarios is a heck of an interesting thing. If Trump and the Republicans hold on, it's more of the same. I think it's more about the public and unrest in cities. If the Democrats take over the Senate, they have the Senate, the House, the presidency, and talk of ending the filibuster. Wow, that's going to be an interesting a little period to go through. Oh, boy. Buy gold. And of course, we won't know who's the president for days, weeks, months after the election. Probably so. It's certainly possible. Barring a major development in the next nine weeks or so, that's close enough to correct. Um, And uh, you cannot rule that out. Oh, boy. Oh, boy is right. So you want freeze-dried food, buy gold, weaponry, ammunition? It makes you want to get a bottle of wine, call the pool boy, have him come over, you the wife and the pool boy, you just take a night off from all this. You know, it is Friday. Fridays take a are made for three ways with the pool boy. Take off your shoes, kick back, and watch the pool boy do his thing. Oh, Jeez, it's so weird. Boy, no, thank you. That's no, so no, thank you. Mr. President, watch me. No. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Social well-being is important to your health, too. When the tone feature is enabled, Halo analyzes the tone of your voice throughout the day to help you better understand how you may sound to others. Like, maybe you thought you sounded affectionate, but actually sounded bored. Maybe in the future you can do a better job complimenting her talents. With Halo, you can make sure what people hear with their ears matches what comes from your heart. So an app is going to tell me if I come off as too harsh? Up, Is that what you're saying? Shut up. <laughs> I might no, I try that. I might try that. Yeah, I got to admit, I thought of you when I heard it. Because you always <laughs> sound sarcastic, even when you're trying yeah. not to be. Yeah. So I the, love uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a great speech. Yeah, that was great. Oof. Um, Oof. That's I've just heard, what I sound I've like. I've heard I that can't. tone. <laughs> Uh, so the NBA has put out a statement. Apparently they've come to an agreement with the players. Playoff games will resume tomorrow. With the understanding that the league, together with the players, will work to enact the following commitments. And I'll just briefly hit a couple of things because there's a lot here. But the NBA and its players have agreed to immediately establish a social justice coalition with representatives from players, coaches, and governors that will be focused on a broad range of issues, increasing access to voting, promoting civic engagement, and advocating to meaningful, for meaningful police and criminal justice reform. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what this looks like. I mean, they're going to run a lot of PSAs during games about voting and civic engagement and national blah, 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 this. The tone of it is going to be very important for whether or not you turn off viewers that might not be as in, in agreement with some of these ideas as you think they are. Right. So uh, we'll see how that works out. They're really big on the like turning the, 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 the basketball arenas into voting places and that sort of stuff. Oh, boy. And promoting more voting. So. Mm. Okay. Well, go ahead. 
you know, all of life is an experiment. See how that sure. goes for your league. Life gets better after age 47, says New Happiness Research. New research by Dartmouth economist David Blanchflower examined data from half a million people in 132 countries. That's a pretty good uh, sample. He's pinpointed the exact age when the majority of people in developed parts of the world feel the most miserable, age 47.2. That's when you're at, that's when you're the most miserable? Yes, but that's when you turn the corner. It's oh. like the uh, the shortest day of the year, which I call National Optimism Day because it's about to get better. Every lifetime has a U-shaped happiness curve, he concludes. The average bottom of that curve, when we're at our most forlorn, is the same regardless of whether we're rich or poor, healthy or ill, married or single. Across the board, 47.2 is consistently the worst. Okay, now that's interesting, because we've talked about this before, and the U-shaped thing has been around. for. I'm, I, I, I have to believe that's true, because we've seen it a bunch of times with different studies. But I've oftentimes thought it, often thought it had to do with you know, your your peak raising kids while you're working, doing all this stuff, you know, that's hard. It's a grind. But this says even if you're not married and don't have kids. Yeah, I'm a little mystified by that. But uh, this writer who's, who's talking about the study says, Friends told me stories of failed marriages and fizzled careers, cancer battles and dead friends, and the general seeking fe- sinking feeling that life is some cruel joke around uh, yeah. that age. <laughs> and that's not true. <laughs> Are you telling me that's not the case? Yeah. And a neuroscientist and author of the book, The Happy Brain, The Science of Where Happiness Comes From and Why, uh, has one theory. A few months into 47 might be when people realize that 50, a scary milestone birthday, is almost upon them. You know, when you're 47, you, you're not claiming you're in your mid-40s anymore. Or are you? Well, it's kind of a border age. It's often that a potential scenario is more stressful than a literal literal one. Sort of like how ripping the Band-Aid off is never as bad as you fear it's going to be. It's easy for you to say, you're not Harry like me. <laughs> I don't know. I think from 50 on, you got to admit, you're old. You're, 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 you're oldish. You, well, you're not young. If the choices are old or young, you're not young. Unless Last you're running year. for president, then they call you young. Yeah, unless you're a Democrat, then you're practically a baby. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Well, golly, why don't we get a final thought from everybody on the crew to wrap up the show and wrap up the week? Michelangelo pressing the buttons in the control room. Michael, final thought. Yeah, I'm fi- I'm 45 right now, so that means I'm looking forward to being 48 so I can be happy again. <laughs> so I got a long, I got to sit down for yeah. 36 months and just wait. That's life's a cruel joke, Michael. Yeah, haven't you caught on? Positive Sean, our producer. Final thought. Yeah, I'm definitely blaming this show for bringing up french fries earlier because now that's all i can think about i'm gonna oh, go yeah. get french fries after the show i can't I help it you. can't help it oh boy uh jack a final sh- thought to share with the people i'm thinking people are going through their 40s with this and getting more miserable with this kind of this attitude is this all there is is this all there is to life there's got to be and then at some point you just think a light bulb yes it is this is it oh okay and you just give up on like expecting more or anything and then you're happy again yeah it's not giving up it's acceptance Acceptance it's better than giving up, sure. Yeah, yeah, and, and try to have a little gratitude for what you have. I remind myself of that every day. Some days better than others. 
Um, my final thought is that I wish somebody had alerted me the president's speech was going to be as long as it was, because as it began, I decided to have a cocktail. And uh, as often happens, I continued to cocktail throughout the speech <laughs> just because I was kind of sitting there not doing anything else. And uh, frankly, I don't remember the end very well. <laughs> <laughs> I think he said, God bless America. Why, why are there three Trumps? <laughs> no, I wasn't that hammered, but <laughs> I was starting to get a tad sleepy towards the end. I just got to listen to the one in the middle. <laughs> At the end, he canceled the election and said he's going to stay president. So that's how that worked out. I actually heard... A news commentator mentioned that as if Trump was serious today. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up the cruel joke that is another four-hour workday. So many people thank GoArmstrongandGetty.com. All the links we talked about, they're there under hot links. You can email us. If you see something over the weekend we ought to be uh, talking about, send it along. See you on Monday. God bless America. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Matt Planning, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. But now the time has come to go. If this still clock was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. Some other time! <laughs> <laughs> <sighs>